Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is abundance teacher and money coach, Jody Lynn Creighton. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Now, I have to admit, I did kind of want to talk about today being no bull Wednesday, but we may actually get into bull riding today. So <laughs> in that case, there actually may be some bull on Wednesday. Uh, but other than that, we're going to try to keep it pretty straightforward here. <laughs> Yeah, we try to keep it light too, especially since, uh, our, our guest Colin Hughes, uh, has been through some pretty traumatic experiences in his life, including the loss of a family member to suicide, which is going to be the dominant topic we talk about. But we're also going to be talking about a lot of stuff that helps kind of turn that whole thing around. And that's what it's going to be all about today. Uh, and, and Jody Lynn, your face lit up when you heard him talk about bull riding. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, there's a little commonality going on there. But Colin, yeah. thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm doing good considering all the things I've been through in life. That's uh, carrying on and moving forward. And you have a big smile on your face. So, I mean, either you're a great liar or you really are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't I can't let the past hold me back. I I went along doing that for quite some time in life and I mm. just I can't let it, I can't let that do to, that to me anymore. Yeah, well, I totally agree with you. It's it's one thing to believe in doing it; it's another thing to actually do it. And right. I give you credit for that. That's thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's the hard part. So, all right, let's let's start off. We'll, we'll get the tough stuff out of the way. Give people a little bit of a biography and and how you ended up doing what you're doing. Oh well, that's I don't know if it could be a little bit, but it's uh... <laughs> well, um, you know, you you decide. You you let us. Okay, know. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll just get right. I always, I had three dreams when I was growing up, be a cowboy, be a pilot, and be an actor. I rode bulls for several years, and a big portion of that professionally in the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association competing against some of the absolute legends in the sport of rodeo. If you ever heard of the movie Eight Seconds with uh, Lane Frost, who mm-hmm. world's champion bull rider that died in Cheyenne, Wyoming, Lane was a friend of mine. He and I rode our first two bulls at Cheyenne the same days that year, and then he went on wow. into the championship go-around on the last day, and that's that's where his tragic event happened. Hmm. Um, retired airline pilot now and now a voice actor and just, you know, moving on. It's, I've always went after what I wanted, but June 10 of 2022, I found myself in a situation that at the time I didn't know how to move past. And that was my 15-year-old granddaughter had ended her own life. And that was just, um, you know, that was, you know, and I even, in 2015, my oldest daughter died of cancer. And you know, people say that the worst thing that a parent can go through is the death of a child. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you that I've lost a child and a grandchild, and the suicide death of my granddaughter was far worse mm. than my daughter's death from cancer. It was, it was excruciating pain, excruciating. So, and uh, I've, I've always, I've always been good as a, a public speaker. After I stopped riding bulls, I started to announce rodeos, mm. and. I love being behind the microphone. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, have this phobia about public speaking. With me, mm-hmm. 
you put me in an auditorium in, in, in an area where there's thousands of people watching and put me behind a microphone. Yeah. We're going to have us some fun. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. But I've always wondered to myself, you know, I've been given this gift and it's got to be for something far greater than announcing rodeos. And I've done some stand up comedy. It's, it's got to be more than, than announcing rodeos or stand up comedy. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those things. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not. But I remember times in my life that I came within, you know, just as close as you can get to death. As a small child, I got caught in a whirlpool in a lake that my family was picnicking at. And I thought for sure, you know, that I was gone. I couldn't kick out or anything. And then just before I passed out, somebody reached in grabbed me by the arm and pulled me out. Wow. And I went, I ran over to my parents at the picnic place we were at and told them my mother's, oh, there's nothing like that in this lake. You're, oh, you're imagining it. So I ran over to the picnic area where this gentleman walked back to, and I tried to find him, but nobody knew. I described him, and nobody knew who on earth he was. Really? And then as a young man, when I was traveling to some rodeos, I was getting ready to cross the road. I stand in front of a, a truck that was pulling, hauling the livestock for the rodeo I was going to. And I was just getting ready to step out on to cross the highway where we were going to go to a, a small convenience store, and somebody yelled out my name's my nickname. Says, Goose, get back! And just as I turned, I stepped, you know, just a couple inches back, and a car just 60, 70 miles an hour, I could feel the air rushing off of it. Mm. And... You know, having that experience with this gift and then those times where there's a couple other times where, you know, I was in dangerous situations that it could have taken my life, but nothing like those two. But I just always wonder, why have I been saved? And, and to me, it's no it's no coincidence. I mean, you're a pilot or, or at least a former pilot and you've ridden bulls. Both of those have certain degrees of risk. And being a pilot, you have a whole bunch of responsibilities attached to that. And any time that you're talking about any kind of flying, there are all kinds of potential things that can happen. So it, it's not I'll like you haven't had awareness, but it's not like you've never had any awareness of all this kind of stuff. Stuff you, yeah. you, you focus on things where you do have awareness about it. flying for an airline. That's you know, that's that's the fun stuff. That's <laughs> that's not people. Say, oh, that must be a stressful job. It's the stressful thing about flying for an airline is. One and you're running behind and you got another flight to do afterwards and you're a little bit late or something now. Oh, okay. I got to go. I got to go over the, the notums of the next, of the next flight, the weather of the next flight, this, this and this. I got to get the, the, the box loaded up and this and this. Okay. Make sure the FO's done the walk around. Okay. Greet the passengers. Here we, hey, 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 here we, here. This is how long the flight's going to be. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, we got some weather to go around. And then, then we get in there and everybody gets on and there's this time when the door closes. What starts the time on the clock for, like, if the flight's going to leave at 1.33 p.m., mm-hmm. that time does not start ticking until the captain releases the parking brake and the doors are closed. Then there's a clock on the on the aircraft that starts ticking. With me, it, as soon as I release that brake, it's just like, ah. Yeah, because okay. that was the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. It's, I, I'd looked for things to talk about as a public speaker. 
because I knew I really, really wanted to get into public speaking. And for years, I'd, well, what about this topic? Oh, no, no, no. And then I looked at aviation topics. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it doesn't work. Just didn't feel passion about any of the topics I thought of. And the day that I, the, the moment that I found out about my granddaughter was I got a phone call from my daughter and her caller ID, and it was actually her husband, my granddaughter's stepfather that was on the phone. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't think it was going to be anything like this. And he told me, and I just start wailing and screaming and crying out. And, but even in all that pain, just seconds after he told me, it was within the first 30 seconds, the thought just came into my mind says, this is what you are supposed to do. Mm. And I did not find a topic I could speak about with passion. It thrust itself upon me. Mm-hmm. So now here I am. Yeah, here you are. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. First question I've got to ask is, what do you think it took for you to find a way past that event? For me, it was first the love of my beautiful wife, you know, so supportive. And myself knowing that I had to move on. And uh, I'm going to turn this into a longer story than it could be. <laughs> I've had I've had three three major tragedies in my adult life. In um, 2015, my oldest daughter died of cancer. And I have uh, four other daughters that were, my oldest daughter was a product of my youthful indiscretions when I was following, you know, and I just was not a good guy. Uh, when I started to try to straighten myself out, I'd, I met my daughter's mother and we got married, had these four, these four beautiful daughters together. But I was still following in my father's footsteps of womanizing and drinking, which of course led to my divorce at totally my fault. Cause I just was not nice to her at all like that. And after the divorce, she remarried somebody who was retired military, asked if he could adopt the girls so that they could have their, you know, insurance benefits and all the other things that came through his, his uh, retirement package. And I thought, well, that's more I can afford to pay child support at the time. And so it was after I signed those documents that I realized I have no rights to see these little girls anymore. None whatsoever. And, of course, they felt abandoned by me, and rightfully so. So they grew up not knowing me and not wanting anything to do with me, even though they knew about me. In 2004, the second oldest of these girls contacted me, you know, found me on Facebook and contacted me that way and wanted to wanted to be reunited. So we met, things were going good. And then, you know, family pressure, she backed out. That happened a couple more times. 
And then um, now my wife is 17 years. And right before, right around the time we got married, I got a message from, or actually before I got a message, before we got married, I got a message from this daughter talking about getting back together and my sweetheart is just, oh, you have to. I said, honey, I don't think I can go through that again. She's a social worker. So the relationships are everything to her. <laughs> a sentiment oh, that I share. I oh, yeah, yeah. And she, it's, yeah, honey, you don't know it'll happen like that again. It's, it, it could be wonderful. You've got to give it a try. And I just, oh, no, no. I says, okay. Finally, I says, I'll do it, but don't feel bad when I say I told you so. <laughs> Well, a little while later, the I told you so happened. Hmm. And then uh, my granddaughter at that time was about two years old, right around that. And so I didn't. Then one day, a few years later after that, I'm at home on time off. I was flying for the airlines. I was uh, living in Vegas, based in Houston, Texas. And my wife asked me, says, what are you going to do if she ever calls again? And I says, I, I can't do that, honey. And she just, oh, I understand. I said, what? You understand? Okay. No, no pushback this time. Mm. The next day, I'm getting ready to go to work, and I'm saying my morning prayers. And right in the middle of my prayers, I, it's just like you're hearing my voice now. Pray for your children. That's what I don't have. They want nothing to do with me. I do not have any children. So no. It came again. Pray for your children. And each time it came back again. Each time more urgent sounding. And I'm okay. I'll do it. I can't remember <laughs> what I said, but I did. And so then I, you know, off to Vegas airport to catch a ride down to Houston to work the flight up into Detroit, Michigan, overnight in Detroit, come back to Houston, Texas, deplaning passengers. I'm walking up the jet bridge. Phone rings. It's a, it's a phone call from an unknown phone number and it, it's this daughter. Um, she's recently divorced. Her husband was living in Florida with my grandson, whom I had never met. And she was living up in the Northeast with my granddaughter. And my grandson and his father were in an automobile accident. His father was killed. My, if you see pictures of the, the automobile, it's, it's a miracle anybody survived. My grandson was in a coma in the hospital with his front split wide open, his internal organs exposed. Several broken bones. They didn't know if he was going to live or not. And her sisters were not able to come down to be with her. Her mother was not able to come down to be with her. And she said she just needed somebody there for support. And I just, I just told her I'm on the next flight. And I didn't list for the jump seat or standby. I just, I bought a ticket just to make sure I could get on in case, you know, the flight was full. And First time I saw my grandson was him lying in that hospital bed in a coma. And he's doing fantastic, by the way, now. 
Good to hear. He's doing wonderful, yes. He's an amazing, amazing young man, 12 years old now. <laughs> and my granddaughter, I always expected her to say something to me like, Grandpa, where have you been? But all she did was like no time was lost. She just loved me and accepted mm-hmm. me. And not once did she say anything like that. And so through the that tragic accident, my grandson is back into my life was into my life and my granddaughter back into my life. When my oldest daughter died of cancer in two thousand fifteen, I got to spend those last few months with her and be by her bedside in those last minutes. Last thing she ever she ever said to me was to tell me that she loved me. I was there when she took her last breath and actually helped the funeral home director put her body in into their car. And there was my other, my older granddaughter from her, her only child, who is now my oldest grandchild, who is a junior in college and will sell and will graduate next year. And so I get these mm-hmm. fun phone calls from her just totally out of the blue or fun text messages. <laughs> so two tragedies, two miracles. When my granddaughter died, that was just and of course, we, we 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 went back to, for the funeral. Of course, all my my other daughters and their children were going to be there. Of course, and the funeral home had asked people to send in pictures of of my granddaughter, and they received in this small town they received hundreds and hundreds of pictures. The funeral home director, without any outside influence, picked out pictures to make a video of her to be used at the viewing and before the funeral, stuff like that. Three-fourths of those pictures was of my granddaughter with my wife and I in Hawaii in our home at Christmas time. And, and uh, when the children came down for my birthday and went to Universal Studios in California, and now all of a sudden, all these other grandchildren know who I am. <laughs> the funeral was Saturday. The internment was on next day on Sunday. After the funeral, I'm standing next to my granddaughter's body. Uh, one of the children, my youngest daughter, came up to me. And I'm just, you know, of course, I'm just having this breakdown she's do you need a hug oh (laughs) yeah i do later that day my oldest daughter found out how to get a hold of me and told me that one of her children wanted to meet me and get to know me made me promise that you know this was you know, there was no backing out of this. It's a lifetime commitment, on and on and on. And I understand why she's asking me all these questions. But but let me back up two real quick. One song in the, in the funeral services, I was just this blubbering, blubbering old 
old grandpa. And I was sitting behind my daughter, the one that lost her children, her child. And then behind me was her oldest sister with, with some other family members, including um, a 16 year old granddaughter whom I'd never met at this point. And as I'm crying, my daughter had reached up and started to caress my back. And before this, you know, I'd seen her several times before this, and all she'd do is, hello. And then I felt these other tiny little fingers <laughs> on the other side. There was this granddaughter. And the next day, at the graveside services, you know, my my wife leans over to me and says, Honey, do you realize that this is Father's Day and all of your daughters are here? And uh, so I was introduced to this to this sixteen year old granddaughter. And the first thing she says to me, she looks me right in the eyes and says, Are you a good man now? And I just, it felt so good to look her in the eyes and say, yes, I am. She's good. And then she reaches out and hugs me. (laughs) (laughs) And my uh, youngest daughter's oldest child, uh, a son, he's 14, came up to me and says, can I give you a hug? Yeah, of course. (laughs) And so another tragedy and another miracle. That's the title of my podcast, The Miracles of Tragedy. (laughs) But, oh, you asked me, how did I get through this? Well, (laughs) those miracles, (laughs) those miracles helped me to get through. Having this new grandchild in my life, you know, she was, she texted me these fun, silly things every day. She'd text me something and... I'd get my, I call them my morning pug pictures because she'd send me a picture of her waking up with her pug and she just, all these sorts of things. And it's, uh, and she is so different from her cousin. My other granddaughter, you know, I, I had to pull little things out of her, you know, and, but this child, there's no holding back. It's just, yeah, I even started to learn as to when my granddaughter's time of the month was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need to know this. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, that she's comfortable with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, not only that, you're, you're, what you're I, also describing through, through your story, your story is describing how you become comfortable within yourself, within your own skin. Yeah, I, 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 or I tell her, Talk to your grandma about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that's how I got through my wife and this, this new grandchild and the, you know, the budding relationship with her, even though she's hundreds and hundreds of miles away, you know, when we text all the time, but it's just miracles do happen even in the most tragic of times with me. They were obvious, but sometimes a person's going to have to look for them. Mm-hmm. There's always positive in the world, no matter how dark it may seem. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 
and podcasting you uh, being a guest on podcast and my own that it's it's been actually very therapeutic for me sure yeah oh, that's something i can that appreciate a, yeah, is, yeah. Is that a word, or is it just therapeutic and not therapeutical? Well, yeah, the, <laughs> first, the, one, the, actual one, you know, the, the first one is invented, but we, we have invented words all the time here, so this is not yeah. a norm. The, the granddaughter I lost, she'd say, you know, silly words like that, and I'd say, was well, that really a word? She says, it is now. It is now, that's right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. So that's, that's how I, I've managed Especially this last one. It was the toughest, toughest, toughest thing I've ever been through. One theme that pops up over and over again with guests that appear here on the show is a theme of some form of either a personal tragedy, a dark night of the soul, um, something that happened to a family member, something really, really rough, often a series of rough things that happened. And then how that same person through a various sequences of events ends up rising out of it ends up coming uh, out of it and, and you know becoming a better version of themselves maybe finding exactly, a passion yeah. in life becoming somebody who you know wants to help promote something um something along that line they, they discover right. something they want to share it with the rest of the world that kind sure. of thing and, and i hear the same kind of thing in, in your story but we haven't actually heard that part yet so what's the part that you come out of this with that makes you say yeah because you kind of hinted at, it at the beginning but then you just then, then you went off and told this well, very the, emotional story. The thing story. that makes me say, yeah, is, you know, I always wondered, you know, what what topic I could use as a, as a public speaking forum. Mm-hmm. And this was thrust upon me. So I don't really say, yeah, I have a topic that I am passionate about, and that is suicide awareness and mental health awareness. I am passionate about this topic. You know, I could, I, I will go on a stage and I will talk about it and I can have people laughing and crying, but I will have them thinking about how important and how much hope in life there truly is in this life. But do I say, yeah, I say, cause this is something that was put on me through so much pain. But you also took it on. I mean, both, both, both events happened because you could have turned away from it. Yeah. So the thing that gets, that makes me, that makes me want to do this is if I can stop with, with each presentation that I do, if, if I can stop just one person from taking their own life, just one each time I speak or every other time, or if it's just one person the entire, my entire time of doing, spreading this message, if I can save just one life, and the pain and suffering that their loved ones will go through. If I can, if I can keep all that from happening, it makes this worthwhile. Okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, oh, go ahead, Jody. It, it just, you know, most people, there's that, you know, dark night of the soul, and as they're going through the shit, if you will, and coming to the other side, it's that that long drawn out. Uh, realization finally at the end that this is something that I'm supposed to do. And with you, Colin, it kind of sounds like from 
you know, an early stage in life, you were looking for that. Why am I here? I know that I was saved for a reason. Why am I here? I know I was saved for a reason. This happened to you multiple times. And, and maybe you even thrusted yourself in those situations, you know, like you, you gotta, you gotta be. Oh no, I didn't trust myself in any situation. Uh, uh, not like those. No, Uh -uh. (laughs) not even writing bulls. I that's mean, you got to be a little bit of an adrenaline. That's dancing. not thrusting myself into a situation. That's that's <laughs> that's doing something that I love. Yes. Okay. Yes. Pardon me. Uh, but it, it looks like, or it seems like to me, just listening to your story, that you were always looking for this, and rather than this long, drawn out. Um, like I'm sure it was very painful. That's evident what you were going through, but it was almost instantaneous. This is it. This is it, Colin. This is why you're here. This is the message that you you need to to speak about. You need to spread across the world. It was like you knew, you know, moments after the event occurred that it, this was it. It was in the first few seconds of that phone call. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. few seconds. That, and that's a great discovery, by the way. Yeah. Well, I, you can go on thinking that. Well, the, I'm not saying the event, so I'm not saying the event was desirable. Don't don't I, get me wrong. I know, not I the event. I'm not saying the event was I, desirable. You know, I'm I, saying I, the discovery was desirable. Did, did I, you know, did I find a topic I could speak on with passion? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I glad that I found a topic? No, I'm not. No. Not in the least. Not, yet. not in that way. I, I hate. I hate this topic that I speak on. I. But. I'm, I'm passionate about spreading the message though, and mm-hmm. have hope that I'm going to help others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing that I am curious about, cause you haven't really spent a lot of time talking about it. And if this is a little too close to home, you, you tell me and we'll move on, but I'm going to ask it anyway. The, the granddaughter who passed. Mm-hmm. What did you love about her? You haven't really talked about that. Oh, what did I? Well, there was nothing not to love about her. She was just, <laughs> as, like I said, you know, earlier when, once she came back into my life, not once did she ask where I was. And she was, you know, she's until she got to know people, she's a little shy and, you know, she's a little unsure of herself. And so I give her these. They moved a few times. Uh. You know, after I came back into my life and she was always worried about people not liking her at the next school. I'd say, well, honey, you know, they're going to love you because you've always made friends, right? Yeah. So, and it's been easy for you to make friends, right? Yeah. But just be different, Grandpa. I says, why? What's different about it? I don't know. I says, I know the one, one thing that's the same about it. Is that you are fantastic, and within the first week you're going to have a ton of friends. And each time it happened that way. <laughs> and but she has this smile that is that was just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. We, my wife and I, took her to Hawaii when she was 12 years old on vacation, and really got to know how sweet and wonderful that this child is from a lot of other people her age. Mm-hmm. She asked only one thing while we were while on that on that vacation and that's was if we could take her to a store where she could buy 
her own swimming suit. And she showed us that she had the money to do it. <laughs> so we took her to a store. We're looking around and she found one that she want, that she really liked. Then she puts it back. Says, Oh, that's too much, grandpa. I says, Well, do you have the money for it? Yeah. Says, Well, if you, if that's the one you want, go buy it. And so she picks it up and she's walking over to the cashier, pulling out her money while old grandpa's right behind her pulling out his credit card. <laughs> <laughs> and she just, she did not expect that. Yeah. Then we found an, an attraction on uh, the south side of Oahu. It's swim with the dolphins. And so we asked her if she wanted to do that. Oh, grandpa, that costs too much money. I said, well, you don't know how much it costs. Yeah, but it's, it's going to be expensive. And she tries to talk me out of it. I says, honey, if it was absolutely free, would you want to do it? Yes. I says, okay, we're doing it. (laughs) And got this picture of her to where. She's right next to the dolphins. Looks like she's hugging the dolphin. Her her head is right next to the dolphin's head. And she had mm-hmm. this huge, huge smile on her face. Mm-hmm. And I posted this picture as my banner on my Facebook page. And uh old rodeo buddy of mine, Donnie Gay, eight-time world's champion bull rider, who's never, ever, ever seen any of my family, Donnie made a comment on there says, I'd know that smile anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to text him and I was, I was just in tears. Donnie, you don't know what this means to me. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the way home, we're walking through the Honolulu airport and she had this small carry on, uh, bag with her. I had my roller bag behind me and I just, placed it on top of my roller bag. I was going to carry it for her. And she's, oh, Grandpa, I can carry that. I said, it's okay, honey. It's just on top of my roller board. It'll be okay. It doesn't add any weight or anything. Oh, Grandpa, let me do that, okay? I says, okay, if you want to. So she took it. She carries it. When we got home after the vacation, I went back to work. It was in a couple of minutes after getting off the flight from Vegas into Houston. I'm walking through the Houston terminal, and there's a family right ahead of me with a Daughter about the age my granddaughter was at the time. Has her coat in her hand, throws it at her father, says, here, you carry it. I'm not going to. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my, I am so grateful for this beautiful, sweet grandchild of mine. <laughs> mm. And she was just, I called her my lovable little Lena. She was just. Beautiful. There was nothing about her not to love. That's the thing about her. She, I just light up every time she called. You know, it's, she oh, it's evident. I mean, you're telling oh, the story. Yeah. We can see you lighting up. It's so obvious. <laughs> the appreciation for her is, is tremendous. I, I saved, I saved voicemails that I had from her. And there's one says, Hey, you know, if I was working or something, Hey, grandpa, I just want to call and say hello and see how you're doing. Another one was, Grandpa, my brother's being a little pickle. And <laughs> I could you call him and talk to him? You always make him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those voicemails are just so beautiful. Yeah. So it's, it's that that's the important stuff is focusing our attention on what we love and appreciate about right. people, regardless of whether they're still in our lives, because that's yeah. where the love is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I might make a little video with pictures of her and those uh, voice messages playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. I love that idea. Yeah. On the on a website, actually two websites. So you know, they just they mirror each other that I created. There's um, I look for stop teensuicide.com, stopsuicide.com, dot mm-hmm. org. All, all of them are taken, but then, you know, there's drop down box that shows the different extensions, extensions that are available. And one of the extensions that were available for both sites was dot life. Ah. And I thought, how appropriate. Mm-hmm. So I got stop teensuicide.life and stop suicide.life. And mm-hmm. on the first page of that, I, uh, kind of an essay I wrote about the, Stealthy predator that lurks, or a serial killer that lurks in the night, or lurks in the dark, or whatever, you know, but it's a serial killer named Suicide. And down at the bottom, there's a video of my granddaughter in our hotel room uh, at the end of one of the days there in Hawaii where, have you ever heard of the Polynesian Cultural Center? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or as some people say, the Mormon Church. But there's never, ever, ever been a Mormon Church. It's <laughs> always been the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it's, uh, for people who have not heard of it, it it's it's made up for uh, the Polynesian culture throughout the Pacific. And there's little mock-up villages that are after villages on all the different Polynesian Island countries, you know, Tahiti, New Zealand, and Hawaii, and Tonga, Samoa, and all these different islands. You can go in there and you can, you know, watch their cultural dances and see what their their food was and their ways of life. And uh, we we took her there and had this wonderful experience. She at one of the villages they were doing. The traditional dance for what I think was, uh, Fiji, I think. And one of the performers came down and grabbed her to take her up on stage to work, to dance with him. And she just had this terrified, Grandpa, do I have to? I don't want to do this. And she was just horrified. And we had this, we had this tour guide. We, there's different packages to go through the cultural center. You know, you mm-hmm. pay a lower fee and you just roll around on your own. You can pay a higher fee and be a part of a group tour with several other strangers. But mm-hmm. we did the big ambassador one to where you oh. know, it was just a private tour guide just for the three of us. Just for you. Okay. And her name was Alohi. Aloha, Alohi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From the Big Island. Her first language was not English, but Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. But she uh, was so fun and really warmed up to my granddaughter. But after this experience where she was pulled up on stage, later at the end of the day, there was a luau. And they're doing the hula dance, invited people to come up on stage. And she just, my granddaughter looks at me and says, Grandpa, can I go up? (laughs) And she was all excited and just had an absolute blast smiling the whole time. But then at the hotel room, each night we had um, had a two-room suite. One room was, you know, uh, sofa bed for her, and of course, then closed door where she could have privacy. My wife and I could have privacy, and then the the regular bedroom suite 
with my wife and I. But each night, she'd come running in after we got our comfies on. She'd come running in and jump up on the bed, on her belly with her hands propped up and her feet kicked up in the air, and we'd just talk. And that was precious. And then this night after the, after the cultural center, we goofed around and she put on this little skirt that we got her and was doing the hula. And I was being goofy, you know, Aloha. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a video of that on the first, on the front page of, of the, these websites I told you about. No, that's very good. It's really excellent too that you have these memories that you can draw out like this because in my opinion, that, that's really where we actually do make our dreams come true. We make them come true by focusing on our attention on things like this. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. I mean, in, in Christian circles, they, they refer to it as the process of sowing and reaping what you sow, you shall reap. Here in law of attraction circles, we describe it as what you give your attention to, you get more of, but it's basically the same uh-huh. concept. Mm-hmm. And, and in that concept, the, the basic idea is that there are, there, there, you, you can almost think of any, any idea, any topic, any event, any person, whatever. You, you, you think of it in terms of like a stick and it's a two ended stick. At one end of the stick is the thing or the person or the event or whatever himself. And uh-huh. the other end of the stick is the lack of it. So you okay. have the, the thing end and the lack end. And what we human beings have a very strong tendency to do is to give all of our attention to the lack end. Because we say, well, I, I lack this thing. I don't have the, I, I don't have the job. I don't have the money. I don't have the, the relationship. I don't have the health. I don't have the fill in the blank with whatever it is. And, and then we start to get all worked up about that. And then we end up spending it, spreading that message with everybody else. And pretty soon everybody's focusing on lack. Yeah. Whereas it turns out that our great power is in focusing on the thing end, mm-hmm. the actual thing rather than the lack of the thing. And the reason I bring that up is you mentioned that you got these domain names with dot life at the end. So right. the thing end of the stick, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And as I'm hearing your stories about your granddaughter and what you loved about <laughs> her and how wonderful she was and what you appreciate and all that, I, I just think, yeah, thing end, thing end, thing end. That's all yeah. the thing end of the stick. That's mm-hmm. where you're, that's where you're going to have the greatest effect. So if your dream is to help somebody to I'm going to flip it around. You said to keep somebody from killing themselves. I'm going to flip it around to choosing to live. Exactly. You, that, that brings me to mind of, I hate the term bucket list. Yeah. Why <laughs> does everybody have to have a bucket list? Why not have a life list? Yeah. Things I want to do in my life. Exactly. Let's live them. Not do them before we die. Right. I totally agree. Love totally agree with that. Do a life list that you can love mm-hmm. yeah so so for me that that's i i believe you probably already have achieved your goal in numerous cases every time that you help somebody focus on the joys of life and the joys of love and the joys of appreciation of, of what's already there every single time you do that in, in the terminologies we use you create a vibration of joy, of love, and that joy, love, appreciation, vibration passes on to everybody else. Well, I, I found another way that I'm, I'm hoping I'll be able to bring people towards as well. I was, I mm-hmm. told you beforehand that I was, I thought maybe I need an emotional support dog or something, you know, and you ever seen those story, the news on the story with the lady with the peacock who was her emotional support animal? Mm-hmm. Time to get on a flight. They didn't let her on and she's going <laughs> to sue. But yeah, you know, as a, as a 
airline pilot. I just, oh no, here comes an airline. <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, there's, you know, I still have some, some pretty bad moments in grieving over my granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe something like this will help. But my, when I was looking for it, there's emotional support animals, which, you know, you can get a little letter saying that, you know, it's certified, but all you're doing is buying a piece of paper from somebody. But then there's actually service animals. A service animal does things for somebody. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, I could, I could get a dog and have it trained to be one. So I mm-hmm. did some searching, and I found a place that was a dog training elite. They have They have franchises in many states across the United States. And so I thought, you know, I'll contact them and see what it would take to do it. And the lady that answered phone says, oh, you need to talk to the CEO. She has a foundation she started. It's called the Malinois Foundation, which mm-hmm. trains and donates service dogs to veterans, to women survivors, first responders, and children with special needs. And these animals, you know, do so much good in the lives of their handlers. Yeah. 82% of, pe- of the people who have uh, psychiatric service dogs report a reduction in suicidal thoughts. Mm. One third of people with these, within after 18 months with a service animal, ha- no longer meet any of the criteria for PTSD. Wow. 92, yeah. 92% report a reduction in medications. And they wow. just, yeah, they can... Remind people to the difference between mm-hmm. an emotional support animal and a psychiatric service dog is the support animal is just like, oh, come here, let me hold you while I cry. But uh, the service dog, you know, yeah, it's there for comfort, but also it can remind you to take your medications. If mm-hmm. somebody has diet terrors, the dog will wake them up. It can, you know, I was telling you before, it could also be trained to detect as me as a, uh, as a diabetic, can alert me if I'm going to have a low glucose event. Sure, yeah. And from what I've read, they are more accurate than the than the uh, glucose monitoring device that I wear. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and the Malinois Foundation is getting a pup for me and going to have it trained to be my service animal. Fantastic. Wow. And I'm just so excited about this. And uh, it's, uh, they, they are amazing people, the things that they do. Mm. Because when that dog goes to somebody in need, it doesn't cost the recipient anything. It's all done mm-hmm. through donations. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing fabulous. organization, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and plus, I mean, I think we all know, I mean, dogs particularly, almost yeah. any kind of pet, but especially dogs, it, dogs are never unhappy to see you. They, they just yeah. aren't. Right? <laughs> I don't care if they're a service dog or not. They, they, it's, it's the best definition of the phrase. You, you mentioned the phrase, the, the thing that you, you didn't really like all that much, the idea of a bucket list. One of the phrases I don't like is unconditional love because to me it's redundant. <laughs> it's not really love if it's not unconditional. So why are you calling it yeah, unconditional yeah, love? Yeah, exactly. Love. You know, but, but they are the epitome of what is often called unconditional love. They, they, yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of day you've had. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, what you've been experiencing. They love you anyway. They just, and they love you the moment you walk in the door. Oh, yeah. You just make me think of um, a little 
fun thing that you can find out on the internet. It's, it's the Diary of a Dog and a Cat. Have you ever read this? <laughs> no. I have not, but it sounds cool. So, says the dog, says, morning time. Oh, there's, 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 there's my human. There's my master. There's, oh, my favorite <laughs> part of my day. Oh, 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 he's getting me food. Getting me, oh, favorite part of my day. Oh, he's got my color. We're going to go out for a walk. Oh, my favorite thing to do. You know, just all these things throughout the favorite day. And then it's the cat's is day 395 of my activity. <laughs> I'm like, looking for a way to escape. As Walt's cat makes an appearance. <laughs> you me? <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> the other captives seem to like these creatures that hold them captive. <laughs> So funny. You're making me think of um, the Douglas Adams books, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with the stories. I, I know of it, yeah. They're, they're absolutely wacky, absolutely insane. Uh, but the, the main storyline of the first book is that um, the planet Earth was actually a computer built for the purpose of determining the ultimate question to life, the universe, and anything and everything. And this was after another computer had come up with the ultimate answer to life, the universe, and everything. Turned out the, the ultimate answer was 42. They couldn't make sense out of the answer, so they realized, oh, we've got to ask the right question. And that's what the Earth was created for. It was a computer designed to come up with what is the correct question, to which the answer is 42. <laughs> totally <laughs> nonsensical book. But one of the beautiful, beautiful joys of that book is that uh, it turns out that humans are the third most intelligent species on the planet. You mentioned the second most intelligent species on the planet, and that's dolphins. They're actually more intelligent than humans, but they aren't the most intelligent ones. The most intelligent species on the planet are white mice. Well, I thought and it was reason- pigs. No, it's white mice. White okay. mice. And the reason white is white mice? mice are so clever, they have figured out how to do studies on us while making it feel like we're doing studies on them. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I was thinking about I, when you were describing the, the, the cat's reaction and the mouse's reaction. I was thinking about the mice's reaction, the mice saying, how can we work this into the experiment? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think I might do a voiceover of that dog cat diary. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. You did You did the uh, voice real well of the dog. That was great. I love that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, but that's my life. And yeah. Well, you, I, and you have other things you can pull into it. I, I think really, you, like I said, you're already achieving your goal, possibly in ways that you don't even know about. That, that's actually another theme that shows up here on this show, too, um, mm-hmm. because I, I do make it a practice whenever we have a, a guest who's come onto the show who, who's giving in some way. You're a giver. Everybody who's coming onto the show is a giver, trying to help other people, trying to share some information, trying to do something to help make the world a better place. And, you know, givers have uh, a common experience in that there are many people who've, um, who've seen them, they've heard them, maybe they've written, read an article that they wrote, something along that line, and they were helped by it, but the giver never heard about it. All they knew was that, you know, they, there was a click and somebody, you know, saw something on a website or something like that, but they never actually saw what happened in the background. Well, right. but these things are happening all the time in the background. We just don't ever yeah. see them. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I, I've been doing this podcast for 10 years now. We've done over 1920 episodes and I know about maybe 1% of probably less than 1% 
of the positive events that come out of it because listeners will send in emails or you'll send a message or something along that line. So I find out about some of them, but most of them I never find out anything about. I, and, and, and I think it's important to remember that those things are happening. I, I actually had some feedback from a woman that I was a guest on her podcast and mm. saying that she had received a comment that listening, listening to us caused, uh, caused them to change their mind about suicide. Wow. Uh-huh. So there's an example right there of one that you did find out about. Oh, I bawled like a baby when she told me this. I'm like, mm. wow. So see, you are saving lives. Yeah, that's right. Like, wow. wow. <laughs> and, and recognize that you're going to only hear from less than 1%. So yeah. that you can multiply it by 100, and now you're probably closer to the ballpark of the number of people you've actually touched and reached and helped. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Oh, yeah. You're on the, the right path. Words. Now I need to get some of the public speaking engagements. I sent out my first email today to a high school that has an aviation program. So me as a retired pilot mm-hmm. who's also, you know, suffered from PTSD throughout my life. Mm-hmm. I have an important message for these, you know, up and coming aviators that mental health is just as important as physical health. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are terrified to even, they can't even go to a counseling session without having to report it when they go take their FAA medical exam Mm -hmm. and they won't do it. They absolutely Mm -hmm. will not do it. Most of them. And so I think, you know, that message is so important to get out to to these up and coming aviators. And I use some aviation analogies, which I'm also going to use when I got church groups and, uh, you know, regular schools and colleges. I can just, you know, tell it from a version that they don't understand uh, to make them understand what I'm talking about. Mm hmm. And like one one of them is, uh, I'm in a jump seat coming home to Vegas, and I did one of those uh, time lapse videos of the approach and landing. No, okay. And taxi off real quick, and it's like, and there's day four of a four day trip. I'm coming home, final leg. Wife's waiting for me at the end of the jet bridge, and here I go. I'm coming in, and the next one, as a curtain opens up, is Woody from Toy Story coming out. Hello. And I says, and of course, we all have those moments when we have that beautiful landing. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Oh, your phone number. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, you know, both, both the aviation people and non-aviation people, I can make them understand that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. This is the key. It really is the key. I think one of the hardest concepts we all have as human beings is realizing the impact that we have on others. Mm-hmm. Um, in law of attraction circles, we describe it in terms of vibration because everything vibrates. And so when we, when we're talking about stuff that we're putting out, it's either high vibration because it feels good, low vibration feels bad and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But anytime that we're putting anything out, like we're doing this show, we've been doing the show now for 55 minutes now. And in that 55 minutes, we've been putting out all these vibrations. Some of it was pretty, pretty low vibration. It was, it was sad stuff. A lot yeah. of it's though has been, has been very high vibration. Yeah. And, and I would even say that uh, the, the sad stuff, something yeah. that's really special about you, Colin, is that you can see the hope that you've exactly. held on to or inherently have yeah. within you shine through and that love for your granddaughter that shines through, Absolutely. but just the strength. And I, I don't, I don't even know what else to call it, but like being able to continue to, 
keep going even though it's so incredibly painful and hard you could see how much hope you held on to within those moments and i think if if nothing else like if if nobody picked up anything else which i think they did a lot of different things throughout this conversation but just hearing that all of the you know atrocities that you've been through in your life and how you still maintained Mm, this incredible outstanding level of hope is inspirational. You know, and speaking of hope, I uh, recently took uh, an online course through the QPR Institute that, you know, helps people understand how to talk to someone who's suicidal. Hmm. Uh, QPR, question, persuade, refer. Question hmm. somebody and they tell you how to question them and how not to. They, hmm. Like, you know, if it's two friends hanging out, you just, Oh man, you, you're not thinking about killing yourself, are you, man? Mm-hmm. Be direct. Are you having suicidal thoughts? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought that you would just not want to wake up in the morning? You know, mm-hmm. be direct because one of the myths is that you, if you ask somebody about suicide, they're going to think about it more. No, it's just the opposite. It mm-hmm. will get them to talk. It'll get them to talk. And once they start right. knowing somebody's listening to them, just letting them talk, then you can start telling them, you know, that there is hope in the world, that this, you know, there is things there that, that they do need to get help. And that's when you, the P comes in, persuade, and then the refer, you find someone for the, you know, to refer them to. And it, the best way to do it is take them to the person yourselves. Mm, sure. Yeah. But, you know, and that, but one thing that in this course that I learned, and if anybody wants to take it, it's, it's $30. And they call it the gatekeeper program that's, uh, mm. that you can learn how to talk to somebody in these instances and be there mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. But one thing that this course brought out is that anybody who's ever thought about suicide, attempted suicide and survived or just has the thoughts or who's actually talked about suicide and gone through with it, there's one thing they all have in common. And that is they feel that there is no hope left for them in whatever situation has got them to where they are at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so my message to, to someone like that is, you know, I, I grew up in a house where I didn't feel loved. And I'm certainly, I'm sure that there's lots of people out there today think that, you know, feel that they're in an environment, whether they are loved or not loved, you know, may feel that they there is no love or no hope for them. And it's, if you can't find it there, you to look for it somewhere else. You know, and I'm not talking about your friends at school. Says, oh mm-hmm. man, you're thinking about doing that. Well, yeah, you know, you won't, you won't feel the pain afterwards. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, you don't want people to talk to you. You want somebody who's going to influence you for the better. You mm-hmm. know, if nothing else, if you can't find somebody positive in your life, you know, if your parents, uh, it, can't give you the support you need siblings or friends go down the street go to a church go to a go to a synagogue go to a mosque find somebody go to a youth center a civic center find somebody who's there who can talk to you in a positive tone and give you forth an outpouring of love Mm -hmm. and show you that hope and love still exist in this world absolutely Absolutely. Colin, if I could just say something too, I, um, as I listened to you tell your story about, 
your granddaughter and all the things that you've loved about her. I think what you are doing for the world now, providing them hope and the word, you know, Walt doesn't really like unconditional love, but I think I, I like the love part. Me. I just think of the first part like, redundant. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, that's really when I hear you speak about your granddaughter, that is the, the biggest thing that I see that she did for you. She yeah. didn't ask questions about where you were or why you were gone. She just yeah. loved you. Yeah. yeah. That's powerful. That's Very tremendously cool. powerful. And, and our challenge is to let that love in. Because the more yeah. we let that love in, the easier it is to let go of the pain. And the more it, easier it is to find the love and appreciation again. Because that's ultimately where we need to get to in all these situations. We yeah. need to get to the point where we can feel the love again. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Funny. Colin, thank you so much for coming on the show, taking your time to to share your message, to share your pain, to share your your growth, to share what's been going on with you and where you're going. And I want you to be assured you are reaching people. They are hearing you. You may never hear from them. You may never see them. You may never meet them, but you're touching them. And you're touching them in ways that you'll never know about, but you are touching them. Trust in that. Believe in that because it's true. And on their behalf, thank you for doing that because you're making a difference. Can I, can I say one last thing about the Malinois Foundation? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, they run completely off donations. If, you, if anyone would like to donate to this organization, you can go to the malinoisfoundation.org. And Malinois is spelled M-A-L-I-N-O-I-S, Malinois. And if you think that you're a candidate to receive one of these amazing one of these amazing service dogs. You can also put in an application there to, to try to get approval to be a recipient of one of these amazing, amazing companions. And, and we'll, make sure we'll, Foundation. Foundation. We'll, we'll make sure we'll include that in the show notes too. Okay, make it easy you. for thank people you. to have thank that link. So yeah. Cause that, mm-hmm. that's also real important. So thank you very much, Colin. Thank you for thank taking you. your time. Thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you, Coach Jody Lynn. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye, everybody.